Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Well, it has been some time since we three have met. In fact, it's been about five weeks. How are we all? Not too bad, thank you. It's nice to see you both, or all of you. It's It's been a long time. Lovely to see you too. When I say we three, it's a collective noun. Oh, okay. That's all right then. Mm. (laughs) Um, It has. It's been very, very long. Uh, So what's been happening in that period of time? Hands up if you've caught COVID. Me. Me. (laughs) Not me. There's always one. Who was first in chronological order? You, Clark? Me. I'm the winner. Yeah. Or the loser. And I must be last because I've still got it. I'm I'm still in isolation about to come out in a couple of days. Shmitty didn't even run the race. Day 10. Well, no, but I've been dodging. Where's the commitment? (laughs) Dodging. Oh, excuse me. I've been dodging. My niece who lives with me has had it and has been in ISO. Um, Although, let me clarify, she lives in the big house. I live in the bungalow outside, so I don't see us as household shares stuff. And um, is it true that you've got Glen Twenty uh, set up like a water cannon out the front of your house so that if anyone comes near you, you can just <laughs> spray the fuck out of them with Glen Twenty? Glen Twenty, that's right. Yes, that is true. Um, well, I would go <laughs> so far as to say so I've just avoided her like she's a leper, and uh, the rest of the family too, because I'm still doing my show and didn't want to get sick. Yeah, and Touchwood have managed to do, achieve that. That's me. Um, what else has happened? Oh, yeah, I've got good news. I'm allowed to get my hip replaced. Um, oh, that is great news. Well, <laughs> the specialist said, and I did laugh at the language, he said, you qualify. I was like, oh, that sounds really positive, except that I'm going to have a piece of me cut out, chopped away, sawn off, replaced a year's rehab. Wow. Yeah, grouse. Anyway, That's it'll be fine gross. and it needs to be done because I am walking around like an old lady. Which he said, you're walking around like an old lady. We need to deal with this. Ooh. It's all about your quality of life, Caroline. I was like, oh. Thanks for your positive that's, feedback, mate. It feels mate. really uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's a funny guy. Anyway. So Forgive was... me, Schmidt. Is it a hip replacement or a, a, an operation on your hip? that I? No, it's a hip replacement. So, okay. um, so I've got a yeah, titanium I've got os- piece or something? Yeah, Don't probably. Know. Yeah. I've got um, osteoarthritis and okay. the right hip, they're both bad, but the yep. right hip is at a point where it's bone on bone Oh, and, um, yeah, it hurts all the time, chronic pain, can't sleep, can't walk much. I mean, I can walk, but if I turn my leg the wrong way. The other day I got a bit drunk and um, I was what? trying to work out whether I could that's still do a cup. Not the, that's not the story, yeah. yeah. Well, Tony's always <laughs> been carrying on about whether or not I can cartwheel the, again. The it's other day, it was like two days ago so thought, instead of yesterday. <laughs> no, it was that's last week and I, I had oh, a few drinks after a show and I'm on the stage and I thought the last time I did cartwheel was on this stage. Let me see if I can do it again. And the answer is no, <gasps> no, I can't. Oh, <laughs> you are I've a genius. Oh, that's a great drunken a story. So you told the doctor, say, and I right. can no longer cartwheel. I'm sure the doctor was impressed. 
I didn't say oh, anything that's of the, the benchmark. Source. That's the I benchmark for hip um, replacement. Yeah, we'll leave that one alone. Anyway, it hurt and uh, I thought, mm, thank God I've had a nice cushion of alcohol, otherwise that would hurt a lot more. Anywho, so that's me in a nutshell and uh, we're covety covety. Yeah. But we're all recovering, I think, Carla. Yeah. I think you're, are you shedding? Are you technically shedding? I must be, I think. So I was the last one in the house to get it. So I literally ran Hotel COVID last week. My husband had given our children walkie-talkies and I was in charge of both housekeeping and room service and just ran around like, ran around like a crazy woman trying to keep everybody not from contaminating others. But then <laughs> once we all got it, it was a free-for-all. Then I just went right yeah. on the sofa and it was perfect. So the time I was sick, it was was fine so i can't complain i can't so complain. It's like the old days when you used to have like a chicken pox party and yeah. all the kids would have chicken pox at the same time because then yep. they became immune to it correct i was gonna say so, i didn't have to lick any door handles but i mean i probably would have got to that point where i thought you know what we've been in here long <laughs> enough i don't want to have to stay i don't want to, have to do all of this again some other time but yeah oh, i got just it let me think about yeah. blue buses anyway. in the old days yeah. yeah yeah window liquor and windows all right mm. yeah exactly exactly <clears throat> okay, so that's us as a roundup. That's probably the shortest roundup we've had, even though it's been the longest period. What are we drinking today? Oh, I'm very glad mm. you asked. Um, first up, I'm going to confess that we have had some technical issues. Uh, we haven't had them for a mm-hmm. little while, so we're not as good as dealing with them as we uh, used to be. So um, I'm on to my second. <laughs> uh, Schmidt is on to about her 84th. So... Uh, <laughs> Just keep that in mind fifth, uh, fifth, towards fifth, the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So Forgive having... me already. Forgive yeah. me already. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's going to get a bit ugly. Um, but uh, we're having a Pizzini Pinot Grigio. All uh, Saints. All Saints Pinot mm, Grigio. Delicious. Sorry, my mistake. From Rutherglen. Um, yeah, from Rutherglen. Oh, and there's my little dog named Pino barking in the background. Shut your face for podcasting. It's all going she, off. She doesn't get it. What you say? say shut your face. Shut your face, we're podcasting, but she never understands. Shut your face, Pino. <laughs> well, she's forgotten yeah. how we do it. It's been a long time and dogs don't have great uh, short-term memories. Yeah, she'll come. And uh, Swanee, what are you drinking? Oh, you she know, was. a little COVID La Coca. That's about it. Just a little bit of coke, yeah. And drinking surprise, the COVID La Coca. Is that a Ricky uh, Martin Coca. song? <laughs> La COVID La Coca. <laughs> yes. Oh, do you know what I did see the other day? You know, when we were singing about Khalees recently, her husband passed away. Oh, no, that's yeah, a shame. I know. Oh. It was really sad. I was like, I haven't he seen her in very young. Well, he did... wasn't very old. He died of, like, stage four cancer. It's awful. And I was like, oh, my goodness, we were just been talking about the beautiful Khalees recently. And I was like, Did, oh, did she meet yeah, him in the yard? Like, is that how they met? Her milkshake brought all the boys to the yard and she chose him? <laughs> sure. I guess it probably was. Yeah. It would have to have that, been, yes. I think that was a song off her second album. That's the trial by wine version of events anyway. Yeah. My milkshake mm. brings my husband to the yard. God. And he's, <laughs> he's like, like, it's better than yours. It's better than yours. I'll That's put right. a ring on that. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you drinking, Schmitty? I'm back on my old favourite, Vodka Cruiser, sugar-free mango raspberries because they go oh. down a treat. They yes. sound like a lolly. Mango raspberries. They do sound and like a lolly, they taste they? like one, two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. All right. Goodness. So, so should we introduce ourselves? Can we? I'm Schmitty. 
I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are Trial, Trial by, by One. One. Who's got a story for us today? Oh, wow. Well, I was just going to suggest, would you like to hear a tale of fun and laughter and happy times back in the 1960s? <laughs> I would love to, but I bet that's not what you're well, about to do. Yes. I, I, I can deliver, yeah, I can deliver on the time, but not the rest of it. So um, it isn't a good, it isn't oh, a good okay. story. So the challenge for you two is to make it uh, a story that is uh, somewhat humorous so that we get away from just the trauma of it all. But, you know, that's what we like to do. Uh, so first up, challenge accepted? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Have you, do you Don't need worry. to brace yourselves? Like click, click that seatbelt in or you're good to go? Put my seatbelt in. That's right. Brace, I have my metaphorical seatbelt because I'm back in the kitchen. Okay. Yep. I'm Brad Carlos doing the brace position. <laughs> brace, We're ready brace. to go. So this story is the. St- oh my god! I am. I can't tell you. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say. I'm so excited. I've so missed doing this. All right. I'm so we'll excited. Just take it. I missed you guys. I love, I love you. you. I love you. <laughs> we'll just take a couple of breaths and maybe a glass of water. I miss this. <laughs> okay, good, good, good advice. Okay. This is the story of Sylvia Likens, um, and I won't go too much into it, but I will give you uh, the first thing, my source, uh, Wikipedia, literally one source subject, so um, well done, me. But Wikipedia... Wiki- <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't worry, you're not getting a mark on it, so it's fine. I'm not going to go through your bibliography at the end. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like having a five- or six-week break and coming up with a one-source story. That's commitment. <laughs> but, but I will start the story by stating that Wikipedia notes that this story is widely regarded by Indiana citizens as the worst crime ever committed in their state and has been described by a senior investigator in the Indianapolis Police Department as the most sadistic case he had ever investigated in the 35 years he served with the Indianapolis Police. Goodness gracious. Does that excite you? Does it get your juices flowing? I'm just having a look at where Indiana is. Indiana typically, is that Midwest? Is that what we call that? Yeah, I think it is. Next to Illinois, it's above Kentucky and next to Ohio. Yeah, let's go go that then. Uh I love that you're bringing the geography mm. to us. I need yeah. I need the geography. I need to places underneath. Yeah, all right. Okay, well, Got I'm going to name a few places. Please don't feel like you need to Google them all. Let's just stick with the one. <laughs> Sorry, uh, otherwise, this could go on for Sorry. quite some time. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to start with Gertrude, and I'm going to mispronounce her surname just because that's what I do, but her surname is Banaszewski, maybe. She was Polish and... Schmitty, I know that we don't have this at the minute, but I'd like to include some villain music because she is 100% the villain. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, what's villain music sound like? Right, You're a... Well, you keep talking while I look at some villain okay. music. Villain music. I'll look okay. it up. You keep okay. going and I'll find some villain music and then I will inappropriately insert it at some point. Okay. I know I'm not supposed to interrupt, but at this point, it's where I think Schmidt really needs to have an organ or some kind of piano next to her, where she can improv on these moments and she can play the the movement. So she it's like she's got a full sound desk, yes. a keyboard next to her, the whole studio, and she's yes. just riffing a little on bit it. It's of, like, or Peter and the Wolf. Do you remember that? I reckon we could do a bit of Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, Pierre Gint. Mm. 
Prokofiev. I didn't oh, do fuck. that. I can't even say his name. That's the five. Um, yeah, Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, but you said Sergei Prokofiev. <laughs> anyway. Like I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I just Sergei know. Prokofiev wrote Prokofiev. Peter and the Wolf. Oh, Prokofiev you yourself, know. mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Should we, should we continue right. or did you find anyway, something? Anyway, I'll do what I can for villain music. This wine's lovely. Um, so Gertrude Banaszewski was our villain. Uh, she was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, to Hugh Marcus Van Fossen Sr. and Molly Myrtle, both of whom were originally from Illinois and were of American and Dutch descent. Have you Googled them, Carla? <laughs> no? Okay. Um, she was the third of six children and her family was working class. On October the 5th, 1939, Banaszewski saw her 50-year-old father die from a sudden heart attack. Six years later, she dropped out of high school at age 16 to marry 18-year-old John Stefan Banaszewski, uh, who was originally from Youngsville, Pennsylvania, and was of Polish ancestry. Apologies to all of our Polish listeners who uh, are probably scratching their ears out uh, at my pronunciation, but it's the best I could do. and she had four children with him. Although John Banaszewski had a violent temper and occasionally beat his wife, the two would remain together for 10 years prior to their first divorce. Yes, that's right, first divorce. Following her divorce, Banaszewski married a man named Edward Guthrie. This marriage lasted just three months before the couple divorced. Shortly thereafter, Banaszewski remarried her first husband, bearing him two more children. The couple divorced for the second time in 1963. How lovely. I'm sure her name's not Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) Well, no, because she's a villain. Elizabeth Taylor's not a villain. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. So, yeah, weeks after her third divorce, Banaszewski began a relationship with a 22-year-old named Dennis Lee Wright, who also physically abused her. She had one child with Wright, uh, Dennis Lee Wright Jr. Okay. Such a good name, though, you know. Why waste it? <laughs> why, why, why bother? Why, why be imaginative? Uh, no, right. God. Um, anyway, shortly after the birth of his son. Dennis Lee Wright II didn't yeah. have the same ring. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> junior! And, and junior! It could be the seventh because they could be like, my daddy was Dennis Lee Wright, my granddaddy was Dennis Lee Wright, my great granddaddy. Apologies to our American audience, anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, apologies, both for my bad accent and my uh, <laughs> yeah, probably uh, disapproval of the word junior. Stereotyping, yeah. anyway. Uh, shortly after the birth of his son, Wright <laughs> abandoned Banaszewski. Shortly thereafter, Banaszewski filed a paternity suit against Wright for financial support of their children, although Wright was seldom able to pay for the upkeep of their son. In 1965, Banaszewski lived alone with her seven children, Paula, Stephanie, John, Marie, Shirley, James, 
and Dennis Lee Wright. Although 36 years old and five feet inches in height, she weighed only 100 pounds, 45 kilograms, and has been described as a haggard, underweight, asthmatic chain smoker suffering from depression due to the stress of three failed marriages, a failed relationship, and a recent miscarriage. It's a nice description, isn't it? I think it's because she had seven kids. And three abusive husbands, one of them twice. In addition to the sporadic checks she received from her first husband, a former Indianapolis policeman who... Uh, she primarily relied financially to support her children. Branaszewski occasionally performed odd, jo- odd jobs for neighbours and acquaintances, such as sewing or cleaning, in order to earn money. <laughs> I didn't think that's what you were going to say then. <laughs> no, I thought odd, odd, like, <laughs> I thought you were going to say odd jobs. And I was like, oh, she's not Sada Arbo. A bit on the side, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She went she to did, prostitutes. Yeah, she didn't go to the geisha house. I know I look a bit haggard, but, you know, same old, same old. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. Well, but I do appreciate where her. you're going because yeah. there are certain themes that we uh, uncover through these. Okay, so that's the that's the villain, of course. And clearly, she's had a tough upbringing. Well, maybe not a tough upbringing, a tough early adulthood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Sylvia Likens uh, is the one who this story focuses on. Um, so Sylvia Marie Likens was the third of five children born to carnival workers. Lester Cecil Likens and his wife, Elizabeth Betty Francis. She was born between two sets of fraternal twins, Daniel and Diana, two years older than she, and Benny and Jenny, one year younger. I love twins called Benny and Jenny. Jenny Likens suffered from polio, causing one of her legs to be weaker than the other. She was afflicted with a notable limp and had to wear a steel brace on one leg. Lester and Elizabeth's marriage was unstable. They often sold candy, beer and soda at carnival stands around Indiana through the summer, moving frequently and regularly experiencing severe financial difficulties. The Lycan sons regularly travelled with them in order to assist with their job, but Sylvia and Jenny were discouraged from doing the same out of concern for their safety and education. As a result, both sisters frequently stayed with their relatives, often their grandmother. In her teenage years, Sylvia Likens occasionally earned spending money by babysitting, running errands, or performing ironing chores for friends and neighbours, often giving her mother part of her earnings. She'd been described as a friendly, confident, and lively girl with long, wavy, light brown hair extending below her shoulders, and was known as Cookie to her friends. Although exuberant, Likens always kept her mouth closed when smiling due to a missing front tooth which she'd lost while roughhousing with one of her brothers during a childhood game. I love the word roughhousing. Roughhousing or horseplay? Definitely. Roughhousing. No horses around. It's not, um, what's his name at the bottom of the pool? Underwater stone. Brian Jones. That's him, yes. (laughs) The horses definitely did it. He was a victim of horseplay. She also had a fondness for music, in particular (laughs) the Beatles. (laughs) There's the connection, and was notably protective of her markedly more timid and insecure younger sister. On several occasions, the two sisters would visit a local skating rink where Sylvia would help Jenny skate by holding her hand while Jenny skated on her unaffected foot. That's nice. By June 1965, Sylvia and Jenny uh, resided with their parents in Indianapolis, On the 3rd of July, their mother was arrested and subsequently jailed for shoplifting. Shortly thereafter, Lester Likens arranged for his daughters to board with, here we go, 
Gertrude Banerjewski, the mother of Paula and Stephanie, whom the mm. sisters had recently become acquainted with while studying at Arsenal Technical High School. At the time of this boarding agreement, uh, Gertrude assured Lester she would care for his daughters until his return as if they were her own children. Does anyone smell a rat? Well, no, because the last rat I killed, I took out of the um, gutter, so I don't smell it anymore. Ah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so shortly after the July the 4th holiday, the sisters moved in with Gertrude and her children in order for their father and later their mother to travel to the East Coast with the carnival. The understanding that Gertrude would receive weekly boarding fees of $20 to care for their daughters until they returned to collect Sylvia and Jenny in November of that year. So $20 doesn't sound like a lot, but just to put it into some context, the monthly rent for the home they were living in was $55. So not too shabby. Hmm. Uh, during the initial weeks in which Sylvia and Jenny resided at the Banerjewski household, the sisters were subjected to very little discipline or abuse. Lycans regularly sang along to pop records with Stephanie and she willingly participated the, in housework at the Banerjewski residence. Both girls also regularly attended Sunday school with the Banerjewski children uh, with the pastor commending Sylvia's piety. What does that mean? Well, pious is... Um you know, religious, yeah. behaving well, not doing the naughty things. Just yeah. being aware religiously as well, I guess. Like Maybe like one of the Von Trapps. Just saying you're a good kid. It's, it's a separate situation. Not doing anything um, anti what is taught. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, so following you know, the not rules shagging and... around, following the, following the yeah, rules, following it. the rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. This is where our story is going to take Here a Here we turn. go. <laughs> Yeah, Barcelona. exactly. Here we go. Strap it in. Yeah. Don't strap it friends. on like, what was her name? Kai Fortune. Yeah. Oh. God. Anyway. Uh, Kai Fortune. Don't strap it on like Kai Fortune. Strap it in like Schmitty podcasting in her car. <laughs> Although Lester Likens had agreed to pay Gertrude Banerjewski $20 a week in exchange for the care of his daughters, after approximately two weeks, these payments failed to in, sorry to consistently arrive upon the prearranged dates, occasionally arriving one or two days late. What would you do if a payment landed up ended up coming through one or two days late? I know you're not in this situation, but beat the shit out of the kids. Well, I don't know. My f- tenants in the UK never pay their rent. Do you abuse them? No, I've got to. <laughs> I try and get my uh, agents to abuse them for me, but that doesn't work. Well, either. I think you're about to find out what you could do as an alternative. Yeah, what could I do? <laughs> what what, what, could what I do? would you suggest? I'll send you through some of my notes as to how. Uh, what does Gertrude? Chuck what does Gertrude if you had a do? three in Gertrude, this is what you would do. WWG. What would Gertrude yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. In response. Mm. Gertrude began <laughs> venting Gertrude her do? frustration at this fact upon the sisters by beating their bare buttocks with various instruments such as a one-quarter-inch thick paddle, making statements such as, well, I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing. It's, you know, I, I rented you This sounds like my bitch- parents. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. This is from the Swanee playbook. We're going to have to extend from here. 
So I do all of this. Nobody cares. Nobody does what they're told, and I do it for nothing. I think you're going to retract yeah. that soon. Yeah. But anyway, yes, okay. let's see where she goes from here. So on one <laughs> occasion we? in late August, both girls were beaten oh. approximately 15 times on the back with the aforementioned paddle after Paula, who is the daughter, had accused the sisters of eating too much food at a church supper the household children had attended. <clears throat> By mid-August 1965... Nasty bitch. Gertrude had begun to focus her abuse almost Not exclusively nice. upon Sylvia, with her primary motivation likely being jealousy of her physical appearance and potential in life. According to subsequent... She's pretty, I take it, and smart. So she's she not... was pretty. Yeah, she's not the one who had No, she, so Jenny had polio. No. Sylvia no, was the sister. sister. She looked, she's yeah, one who looked yeah. after, that's right. Um, so according yeah, to yeah, subsequent yeah. trial testimony... This abuse was initially inflicted on Sylvia after she and Jenny had returned on the Banajus, sorry, to the Banajewski residence uh, as well as on weekends. This initial abuse included subjecting lichens to beatings and starvation, forcing her to eat leftovers or spoiled food out of garbage cans. On one occasion, lichens was accused of stealing candy she had actually purchased. Again, not, oh, not the, the worst, but... You can see a cool. you can see a pattern not coming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on another occasion yeah. in late August, Likens was subjected to humiliation when she claimed to have a boyfriend in Long Beach, whom she had met in the spring of 1965 when her family lived in California. In response to hearing this, Gertrude asked if she had ever done anything with a boy, to which Likens, unsure of her meaning, replied, "I guess so." and explained she'd gone skating with boys there and had once gone Mm-mm. to a park on the beach. Uh, with them. Continuing the conversation with mm. Stephanie and Jenny, Likens mentioned that she had once laid under the covers with her boyfriend. Upon hearing this, Gertrude asked, Mm-mm. why did you do that, Sylvia? Likens replied, I don't know, and shrugged. Several days later, Gertrude returned to the subject with Likens telling her, you're certainly getting big in the stomach, Sylvia. It looks like you're going to have a baby. Likens thought Gertrude was kidding with <gasps> her and said, yeah, sure, he's getting big, but I'm just going to have to go on a diet. So she had no idea, really, of how babies are made. And um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't thinking anything about yeah, and, it. Yeah. Uh, so, however, Gertrude then informed her and the other girls in the house that whenever they did something with a boy, they would be sure to have a baby. That's only because Gertrude. That's Gertrude's yeah, Correct. Yeah, that's, that's because Gertrude had a baby every time she looked twice at a man. <laughs> Filthy slut. Anyway, sorry, I just slut-shamed. Moving on. (laughs) She then kicked lichens in the genitals. Paula, herself three months pregnant at the time and also jealous of lichens' physical appearance, then participated in attacking lichens, knocking her off the chair and onto the kitchen floor, shouting, you ain't fit to sit in the chair. So now we've got mother and daughter starting. On another occasion, as the family ate supper, Gertrude, Paula and a neighbour boy named Randy Gordon Lepper force-fed lichens a hot dog overloaded with condiments. Randy Lepper. Oh, stop it. Randy Lepper. (laughs) I force-fed myself stuff overloaded with condiments. And that's how you get a bag of Is that really a torturous... (laughs) A Randy Lepper. Is that like too much mayo? Is that torture? Well... 
a, ra- a man called Randy Lepper forced fed me too much loaded condiment, I too much condiment heavy sauce. hot dog. Sorry, I, I feel like you didn't look far enough into that one. Uh, oh. Well, yes, no. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure this is a really terrible situation. But that's why I have you two to pull me up and point out the humour. <laughs> Actually, though, if I'm... If I'm if, Randy Lepper. If I'm having a hot dog, it's a good point. How many condiments are too many? Because I do like a fair bit of mustard and cheese. Mustard I don't know, sauce. but next time you have one, it's got too many on it. You'll go, oh my god, did I'm, did Randy Lepper do this? this by is a too Randy much. Lepper. It's a Randy Lepper dog. Also, <laughs> it's a Randy Lepper dog. Seriously, too my much. sister used to call me the condiment queen. I could eat a sandwich just with condiments in it. <laughs> I didn't eat anything else. Randy Tomato. Lepper. Tomato sauce, mayonnaise, butter. Who needs anything else in it? It's just delicious. Exactly. How is that a problem? Well, you know how little Frankfurts here get the nickname of little boys? It kind of feels like Randy Leper had his penis fall off because he's a leper and put it in the hot dog bun and then put all the condiments in, eat a hot dog bun with dicks. That's a hot dog no one wants, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm, I'm, understandably, I'm a leprosy laced dick. No <laughs> uh, so understandably, after having just explored that a little too far, uh, Lycans vomited uh, and was later forced to consume what she had regurgitated. <gasps> that's not okay. Oh fuck off! Yeah, that's not okay. <laughs> Uh, no, no, that's not okay. I mean, all the condiments in the world are fine, but making me eat my own sick is not okay. Correct. Or a Randy Leper's. Calling uh, time on that shit. Leperfied genitals. (laughs) (laughs) In in what was Lycan's only act of retaliation, she is alleged to have spread a rumour at Arsenal Technical High School that Stephanie and Paula Banaszewski were prostitutes. She supposedly did this because she was upset with the household singling her out for similar accusations. Fair enough. When you say the only act of... um... Uh, A retaliation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Across the whole story? Across everything that's happening to this girl? Yeah, yeah. In perpetuum? Yeah, yeah. Yes. And and we're not even at the bad stuff yet. So she's a a nice girl. A really nice girl. She's a very nice girl. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly right. So it all... um, it's it's an incredible story about her being so lovely, and the Banner and it was the worst thing she could think of, and just did it once, and probably felt bad about it. Yeah, yeah, but also you know um, Gertrude had kicked her in the genitals, saying this, and Paula had pushed her off the chair and all that. So you know um, they'd made the same jokes about her. So uh, anyway, so whilst at school, uh, Gertrude needed to eat a bag of dicks <laughs> and a whole a band of Ray, mm-hmm. Randy Leper dicks. Um, whilst, whilst, yeah. whilst at school, Stephanie, who's the uh, also the daughter, Paula's sister, was jokingly propositioned by a boy who told her that Lycans had started this rumour about her. Upon returning home that day, Stephanie questioned Lycans about the rumour and she admitted to starting it. Stephanie punched her in response, but Lycans apologised to her in tears and Stephanie then also began to cry. So Stephanie is not the evilest one in this group, but she does um, have a a role. Um, However, when Stephanie's boyfriend, 15-year-old Coy Randolph Hubbard, now the Coy is not an adjective here, Coy is his first name, so Coy (laughs) Randolph Hubbard heard of the rumour 
Oh, you said Coy yeah, Randolph Hubbard. No, it's yeah. Coy Randolph Hubbard. Uh, everyone's got three names. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I heard of the rumour. He brutally attacked Lycan, slapping her, banging her head against the wall and flipping her backwards onto the floor. When Gertrude found out, she used the paddle to beat Lycan's. What's that now? We're up to uh, Gertrude, Paula, so we're just, Stephanie we're just and We're going to completely victimise one person. We're not going to uh, uh, support her in any way. But also we're up to four people okay. now who have abused her, uh, if we don't include Randy Lepper. On another occasion, Paula beat Likens about the face with such force that she broke her own wrist, having primarily focused her blows upon Likens' teeth and eyes. Later... Paula used the cast on her wrist to further oh. beat Lycans. Gertrude repeatedly falsely accused Lycans of promiscuity and of engaging in prostitution, delivering rants to Lycans regarding the filthiness of prostitution and women in general. Gertrude would later occasionally force Jenny to strike her own sister, beating Jenny if she did not comply. So there's number five, again excluding Randy. We should probably say number six. <clears throat> Yeah, but Jenny was coerced and beaten into it. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, not, I'm not saying Jenny's the problem here. I'm just saying that there's a group of people. Gertrude's totally the problem. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. You're about to talk about a whole, a whole bunch of fuckers who were just horrendous. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Uh, so Coy Hubbard uh, and several of his classmates frequently I'm picking up visited... what you're putting down there, Clark. You are indeed. And I'm putting it down <laughs> and you're picking it up just as quick. So Coy Hubbard and several of his classmates frequently visited the Banaszewski residence to both physically and verbally torment Lycans, often collaborating with Banaszewski's children and I really feel like we have to get straight to fucking judgment here. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hold my my beer up because uh, whilst the the judge... I know. Yeah, yeah. The the sentences you want to pass will only get worse. Okay. Uh, with the active encouragement of Gertrude, these neighbourhood children routinely beat Lycans, sometimes using her as a practice dummy in violent judo sessions, lacerating her body, burning her skin with lit cigarettes in excess of 100 times and severely injuring her genitals. I mean, what the fuck? To entertain Gertrude and her teenage accomplices, Lycans was forced at one point to strip naked in the family living room and masturbate with a glass Pepsi-Cola bottle in their presence, with Gertrude stating to all present that this act of humiliation was for Sylvia to prove to Jenny what kind of a girl you are. Gertrude eventually forbade Lycans from attending school after she confessed to having stolen a gym suit from the school due to Gertrude having refused to purchase the clothing for her. For this act of theft, Gertrude whipped Lycans with a three-inch wide police belt. Gertrude then switched her conversation to the evils of premarital sex before repeatedly kicking Lycans in the genitals as Stephanie rallied to Lycans' defence. Postmarital sex is fine, even if you push out seven fucking kids that you can't look after. We'll also understand that number seven was premarital for Gertrude, so, you know... Fair bit of hypocrisy going on here. Oh, even better. Even yeah, yeah. better. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, so yes. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where you just make me angrier and angrier. 
Yep, this is exactly <laughs> one of those episodes. So, uh, so Stephanie rallied to Lycan's defence, shouting she didn't do anything. So, you know, Stephanie is, uh, while she's part of the family and while she has done a little bit of stuff wrong, she's actually in a position where she feels like she needs to stand up for her. So good on you, Stephanie. Gertrude then burned Lycan's fingertips with matches oh. before further whipping her. A few oh, days later, Jesus. Gertrude repeatedly whipped Jenny with the police belt after she reportedly stole a single tennis shoe from the school to wear on her strong foot. So she's not looking after them to the point where they're stealing stuff and then she's punishing them for it. The Lycan siblings were fearful of notifying either family members or adults at their school of the increasing incidence of abuse and neglect they were enduring. I was just going to ask, where are their parents? Why are they well, not they're kind going of carny folk. Well, I'm not yeah, blaming no, no, the kids. No, you're not blaming the kids. That's right. So the, the parents... Um, you're not calling them on a mobile, no. The parents left them with Gertrude because oh, uh, Gertrude, remember, had said yeah, she was going to... they don't do any check-ins. I know it's a Yeah, yeah, but also but she said she was still... going to look after them like her own daughter. Look after them like they're yeah, her, yeah. Own, her own children. At what point is she beating her own children in the same way? Yeah, why are her own children not getting uh, well, smashed? Yeah, yeah, I exactly. mean, I know why, but yeah. it's still, anyway. Uh, because Gertrude is a big bully who has found someone that she wants to continually um, victimise. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so they were fearful of notifying anyone because of the fear of worsening the situation. And, you know, that's not a, an uncommon reaction, I think, for anyone in a domestic violence yeah. case. yeah. Jenny, in particular, struggled against the urge to notify family members as she had been threatened by Gertrude that she would herself be abused and tortured to the same degree as her sister if she did so. Jenny was also subjected to bullying by girls in her neighbourhood, in addition to occasionally being ridiculed or beaten whenever she alluded to Sylvia's situation. Uh, so, uh, to your point now, Schmidt, uh, in July and August, both Lester and Elizabeth Likens would occasionally return to Indianapolis to visit their daughters whenever their travel schedule afforded them the opportunity. The last occasion Lester and Elizabeth visited their daughters was October the 5th. So there's a few months there where they've tried to catch up with them. Uh, on this occasion, neither girl exhibited any, physical, uh, any visible signs of distress about their mistreatment to their parents. This was likely because both were in the presence of Gertrude and her children. Almost immediately after Lester and Elizabeth had left the Banaszewski household on the final visit, Gertrude turned to face Likens and said, what are you going to do now, Sylvia? Now they're gone. Uh, on one occasion in September, both girls encountered their older oh sister, God. Diana Shoemaker, at a local park. Both Jenny and Sylvia informed Diana about the abuse they were enduring at the hands of the caregiver, adding that Sylvia was being specifically targeted uh, for physical abuse and almost always for things she had neither said nor done. Neither sister mentioned the actual address where they resided and initially Diana believed the sisters must be exaggerating their claims regarding the scope of mistreatment. Uh, Nobody what, what cares. Uh, several weeks. It was the uh, Several weeks. No, it's not so, an excuse, but yeah, people didn't right. care Children about kids be seen and that, not like heard. they do now. Uh, so several weeks prior to this, Sylvia and Jenny had encountered Diana in the same park while in the company of 11-year-old Marie Banaszewski and Sylvia had been given a sandwich to eat when she mentioned to her sister that she was hungry. Uh, Likens remained silent about the matter, 
although Marie revealed the fact to her family in late September. In response, Gertrude accused Larkins of engaging in gluttony before she and Paula choked and bludgeoned her. The pair then subjected Likens to a scalding bath in order to cleanse her of sin. Fucking hell. With Gertrude grabbing Likens' hair and repeatedly banging her head against the bath to revive her whenever she fainted. Because she's being starved. Oh. Well, no, she's fainting because she's in such a hot bath. Uh, and so she's then having uh, her head banged against the bath to wake up. Shortly after this incident, the father of a neighbourhood boy named Michael John Munro phoned Arsenal Technical High School to anonymously report that a girl with open sores across her entire body was living at the Banaszewski household. As Likens had not attended school for several days, a school nurse visited East New York Street to investigate these claims. Schmidty, I just feel like this is something that you will know how to deal with if you're Gertrude. So the nurse comes knocking. What do you reckon Gertrude says? <laughs> well, you just know shit about weirdos. She's not home. Uh, well, th- she's not home right now. There was, a, there was that. She's not home. <laughs> she's just what, got what about the open sores? What do you reckon? How do you reckon she decide? She described them. Um, she got bitten by a few mosquitoes and scratched oh. them too much. I don't know. I'm just. Yep, I'm grasping. Right. I'm grasping. No, no, so then tools. I know you're good at. Because I wouldn't actually know yeah, what to say. Yeah, which which adds evidence to my theory that you actually have made soap from opera singers before, um, but clearly, but clearly Why? you haven't taught your children. Said. No, because remember you knew how to um, render the fat and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I know. Yeah, a you lot knew a lot about that, so it made me think that you were guilty yeah, of yeah, similar I, I, instances. I know a lot of disturbing shit. But you're not shit. guilty of this. I'm not actually a psychopath. Well, you're not guilty of this yeah, is what no, all I'm prepared no, I'm to say. I'm not a psychopath. I promise you. <laughs> so, so if you were one, you would say uh, to the nurse that Likens had run away from her home the previous week and that she was unaware of her actual whereabouts. So you kind of got that bit right. Oh, it was close, um, close. Adding oh, so that Likens... Yeah. 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 Okay. Adding yeah. that Likens was out of control and that her open sores were a result of Lichen's refusal to maintain decent personal hygiene. Hygiene. Right. Yeah, okay. Mm. That's just She's bullshit, but okay. Yep. See you next. You've got to be pretty <laughs> filthy to get <laughs> to an open oh. sore, in my experience. <laughs> in your experience, Carla. <laughs> I haven't gone out of shower for a couple of days, but a couple of occasions I've never gone to an open no. sore situation. Yeah. I'm not trying hard enough, obviously. Greasy hair, people. maybe, but not an open sore. Maybe I was on the cusp. Maybe I was on the exactly, cusp. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, abs- absolutely. Lucky you didn't have Gertrude for a mum then. And a bit stinky. Like, you might be a bit ripe and you might have some greasy hair, but open source after a week is bullshit. So Gertrude further claimed that Likens was a bad influence on both her own children and her sister. The school made no further investigations concerning Lycan's welfare. It's like, oh yeah, man, that sounds right. It's catcher. You so, have you, you have yourself a good night. Yeah, well, you know, kids kids had a rough trot in the sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties. Schmitty, the hard thing about, true, about and... this is there's stuff going on like this everywhere still, and there's a lot. Yeah. There's another story recently in the UK. 
think of a girl's name Star, and it's this same thing where you go, it's like a catalogue of errors where people have How gone, could this have yeah, happened? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, they told me she'd run away. Oh, okay, but someone had told you that there was a problem with someone with open sores, and it's just going to get worse from here, isn't it? Well, it is. But I will, I will point out that um, people like myself who work in a certain field um, are required by law to report anything that we think is suspected child abuse. Uh-huh. So I'm not saying that's going to solve the problem, but I, I, I do think that a lot of people are much more empowered oh, absolutely. to call right. shit out yeah. that they, they might not have felt Correct. like they could have done yeah. in the olden days. Yeah. Um, and I'm not – I'm in no way justifying this this is this is just neglect on so many levels yeah. and neglect is such a pissant word for what I, what we're talking about here but it was of the um, time you're right yeah i'm impressed at the guy i'm but impressed also, that the man actually came forward and said something to be perfectly honest i thought everyone was anonymously it. but yeah <clears throat> but how bad was it that someone felt the need to report it someone who like even we just talked about cultural context and in that period, no one would have said anything. How bad must it have been? Yeah. Must it have been? That this yeah. kid yeah, yeah. said, I've got to say something, and no yeah. one did anything about it. No one, yeah. well, well, in fairness to the in, nurse, in, she showed up. I, I but, did. Oh, yeah, yeah, but fuck. Gertrude was. Um, a manipulative yes. bitch who told a good story, but still, anyway. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yes. God, you no, no, do a I, good uh, job I, of I, creating I, so much fury in me. <laughs> anyway, keep going. I do, I do enjoy uh, your raw <laughs> reaction. This whole show is the fire. Yeah. This whole show is yeah. about how much Clark he can wind Schmitty up. Anyway, go on. And then how calm <laughs> and, and, and cool Carl is. And Carla being oh, the mediator. Yeah. like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to say something smart now to calm you all down. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Quick cause of distraction. They're <laughs> getting angry just, again. <laughs> I think I just nailed the dynamic of our show. Anyway, going on. So the immediate neighbours of the Banaszewski family were a middle-aged couple named Raymond and Phyllis Vermillion. Both initially viewed Gertrude as an ideal caregiver for the Lycan sisters and both had visited the Banaszewski residence on two occasions while the girls had been under Gertrude's care. On both occasions, however, the Vermillions witnessed Paula physically abusing Lycans, who on both occasions had a black eye and openly boasting about her mistreatment of the child sorry of the child to them so Paula's given her a black eye and boasts to the neighbors about it this is how messed up the whole situation is the kids are doing the wrong thing right. but they're obviously feeling so comfortable about it because of Gertrude yeah. that they talk it, to yeah. the neighbors about it like what Excuse me. Um, upon the second visit to the Banaszewski household. I've got a bag of black eyes for you, Paula. <laughs> yeah, eat a bag of anyway. black eyes, Paula. That's not where I thought the um, bag I thought you were going to give it, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. Black eyed I know. Every time, um, black eyed for, every time you reach for a, every time you reach for a bag, oh, I think I know it's the bag you're going to grab. Eat a bag of black eyed dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Upon their second visit to the Banaszewski household, both observed lichens to appear extremely meek and somewhat zombified in nature. 
Nevertheless, the Vermilions never reported Larkin's evident mistreatment to the authorities. On or about October the 1st, Diana Shoemaker discovered that her sisters were temporarily residing at the Banaszewski residence. She visited the property in an attempt to initiate regular contact. By the way, she's the one who they ran into at the park, just in case you've forgotten. Um, she's their sister. Um, she's their she's older sister. sister. She's Jenny and okay. Sylvia's sister. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but she, they, remember yeah, they okay. ran into her at the park and then she dismissed everything. So she visited the property in an attempt to initiate regular contact. Uh, Gertrude, however, refused Diana entrance to her property stating that she had received permission from their parents not to allow either of the girls to see her. She then ordered Diana off her property. Approximately two weeks later, Diana encountered Jenny by chance close to the home and inquired as to Sylvia's welfare. She was informed, I can't tell you or I'll get into trouble. I really think Diana needs to sort of up the ante a little bit. Your timing is spot on, but somewhat, somewhat misinterpreted. Uh, so this next bit oh. is titled Escal- Escalation. Due to the increase in the okay. frequency and brutality of the torture and mistreatment Likens was subjected to, she gradually became incontinent. This is going to be hard to read out. Fuck so, off. Um, yeah, I know, right? I know. Anyway, I'm, I'm trying to push through because it's bad. She was denied any access to the bathroom, being forced to wet herself. As a form of punishment for her incontinence on October the 6th, Gertrude threw Likens into the basement and tied her up. Here, Likens was often kept naked, rarely fed and frequently deprived of water. Occasionally, she was tied to the railing of the basement stairs with her feet barely touching the ground. Uh, In the weeks prior to locking Likens in the family basement, Gertrude had increasingly abused and tormented Likens. She would occasionally falsely claim to the children in the household that either she herself or one of them had been receiving direct insult from Likens in the hope this would provoke them into belittling or attacking her. On one occasion... Gertrude held a knife aloft and challenged Likens to fight me back, to which Likens replied she did not know how to fight. In response, Gertrude inflicted a light scour wound to Likens' leg. It's it's just it's just bullying next on level kind of, Yeah, yeah, on steroids, exactly. Like there's just oh and, and like when you hear about all I these domestic bullying. violence cases, I, I think that, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, this but is it's beyond bullying. This is just torment. Uh, no, this is torture. This is no, this but is beyond bullying. Yeah, but but I think she's tying her up. She's making her helpless. She's not feeding her. All these things, and then she's saying, "Now fight me!" Like I've I've practically ruined you, and I'm just going to do it a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And it's like it really does feel like. You know, if if high school bullying was allowed to, or primary school bullying was allowed to go out of control, this is where it would get, and it makes me sick. Neighbourhood children were occasionally charged five cents apiece to see the display of Lycan's body and to humiliate, beat, scold, burn, and ultimately mutilate her. 
Like, Who charged them? Gertrude. Gertrude is charging neighbourhood children five cents a piece. That's horrific. The fact that children are paying five cents to join the frickin', I was going to say party, but that's the wrong word, join the gang. Throughout Lycan's captivity in the basement, Gertrude frequently, with the assistance of her children and neighbourhood children, restrained and gagged Lycan's before placing her in a bathtub filled with scalding water and proceeding to rub salt into her wounds. And that's not a metaphor. On one occasion, Gertrude and her 12-year-old son, John Jr., rubbed urine and feces from Gertrude's one-year-old son's diaper into Lycan's mouth before giving her a a cup half-filled with water and stating the water was all she would receive for the remainder of the day. On October the 22nd, John Banaszewski Jr. tormented Lycans by offering to allow her to... Are going to the end of this because I can't can't cope with this much longer? I mean, this is... Do you want me to skip (laughs) The worst you've... This is the worst you've... Have I hit a new low? I'm going to... Oh. It's just that it goes on and on and on. It's just... I'm surprised she survived. Like, she's just... This poor little girl is just... Oh God! Okay, so I'll, I'll get going. to this bit, <laughs> and I will. I'll, I'll I'll stop telling you about yeah, the the. Through. No, no, I'll stop it. It's I understand, and it's gone too long. Um, so the following day, we're, we're going to pick up down the track now. <clears throat> the following day, Gertrude okay. Banaszewski woke Lykins, then forced her to write a letter as she dictated the contents which were intended to mislead her parents into believing their daughter had run away from the Banaszewski residence. The content of the letter was intended to frame a group of anonymous local boys for extensively abusing and mutilating Lycans after she had initially agreed to engage in sexual relations with them before they inflicted the extreme abuse and torture upon her. After Lycans had written this letter, Gertrude finished formulating her plan to have John Jr. and Jenny blindfold Sylvia, then take her to a nearby wooded area known as Jimmy's Forest and leave her there to die. So John Jr. being the youngest and Jenny being Sylvia's sister. After she had finished writing the letter, Lycans was then again tied to the chair railing and offered crackers to eat, although she refused them, saying, give it to the dog, I don't want it. In response, Gertrude forced the crackers into Lycans' mouth before she and John beat her, particularly around the stomach. I know I said I was skipping forward and that was going to be it, but, you know, it continues. I've got to find an appropriate place to pick up, but the, the letter is important in the later story. So, by the morning of October 26, Lycans was unable to either speak intelligibly or correctly coordinate the movement of her limbs. Gertrude moved Lycans into the kitchen and, having propped her back against the wall, attempted to feed her a donut and a glass of milk. She threw Lycans to the floor in frustration when Lycans was unable to correctly move the glass of milk to her lips and she was then returned to the basement. Coming down to the end of it, uh, Stephanie and Richard found uh, Sylvia in a bad state, uh, so then they decided to give her a bath and dress her in new clothes. They then laid her on a mattress in one of the bedrooms as Sylvia muttered her final wish that her daddy was here and that Stephanie would take her home. 
Stephanie then turned to her younger sister, Shirley, exclaiming, oh, she'll be all right. Uh, when Stephanie realised that Larkins was not breathing, she attempted to apply mouth-to-mouth resuscitation as Gertrude repeated, repeatedly shouted to the children in the house that Larkins was faking her death. Larkins was 16 years old when she finally succumbed to her injuries. Sorry, Stephanie said she'll be all right and the other monstrous bitch said she's faking this. Correct. Could, could I just check? Is that what I just said? So, no, Ste- so, sorry, Stephanie didn't say she'd be all right. Stephanie oh, realised that oh, she wasn't God. breathing oh, and attempted to apply mouth to mouth resuscitation as Gertrude repeatedly shouted to the children in the house that Likens was faking her death. So, normally, if okay. someone's applying mouth to mouth resuscitation, you'd be around trying to support them and, in- and continue them to keep going is my you call the ambulance view. for a start not sitting there saying ah don't worry about it she's faking her own death all right so the next this bit is, is titled so this is beyond dark it is disturbing this i'm sorry should i continue or do we do we want to take a um, yeah no please well please please because yeah, i can't wait to sure? sentence these motherfuckers mm-hmm. okay carla are you in a position to sentence as well i'm trying to get my head around the level of abuse and how long it was sustained and it's just so macabre. It's really She was sixteen when she passed. Awful. Yeah. Um I and had, when um, did this all start, Clarky? So uh, was it oh, look, how it only it, over a it, period of months, was it? Yeah, it wasn't months? long. It it wasn't long. Yeah, it was maybe no. July through to August or something. So um not Jeez, not really bad. Intense. Not a, a long, long yeah, yeah, correct. Um no. I did intend to say at the start of this, and I forgot um, because of the technical issues, but uh, yeah. this is one of those stories where you will not struggle to find the crime because the crime is obvious. No. There are so many different types of it, but I do think the uh, sentencing, I don't know, I find I found reading this, the sentencing, really hard. And I never have a sentence in mind when I come to these. But, um, yeah, God, how do you – anyway, we're going to go on to the arrest, right, because this is – Yeah, yeah, this is where I'm, I'm really intrigued as to how did Gertrude and the her kids and even Jenny and the neighbourhood kids, how did they react? How did – you know, what what's the story? That's what I'm really intrigued. So – in, a, in an awful way, at least someone's not suffering anymore. She's now in heaven, shall we say? Um, but what yeah, of these yeah. other? I think Jenny monsters. was a bit of a victim. Jenny's oh, younger course, daughter, darling. yeah, her younger I know. sister. But you know, I'm, I'm intrigued as to how she, to what, what's her, what's it happened with her? That's all I mean. Yeah, but I but think in, um... I'm really intrigued as to how they handled it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, Gertrude. So what happened? Uh, just a tiny bit more. So Gertrude initially beat Lycan's corpse with a book shouting, faker, faker, in order to rouse her. Now, never never in the history of the world has a dead body been raised by someone hitting it with a book and shouting, faker. Like, she's soon panicked and instructed Mm -hmm. Richard Hobbs to call the police from a nearby payphone. When police arrived at her address at approximately 6.30 p.m., she also claimed she had been doctoring the child for an hour or more prior to her death, having applied rubbing alcohol to Lycan's wounds in a futile attempt at first aid 
before she had died. She added that Likens had earlier run away from her home with several teenage boys before returning to her house earlier that afternoon, bare-breasted and clutching the note. You know the note that she made her write earlier? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Clutching a Bible, Paula Banaszewski, having stated to all present in the household that Lycan's death was meant to happen, then glanced in Jenny's direction and calmly stated, if you want to live with us, Jenny, we'll treat you like our own sister. So it's not just Gertrude, <laughs> is it? <clears throat> no. And this is, this is the problem when you have this matriarchal person who is encouraging everyone to find ways to belittle or abuse someone and and probably rewarding them for it. I I haven't explicitly read details on that, but I feel like, you know, they're all looking for someone to be a role model for their lives. And here's Gertrude saying, yeah, come on, let's all abuse Sylvia. That'll be fun. Um, And I'll charge you five cents because this is normal. You know, it's, This is the problem because then they start to think that this is okay behaviour too. Uh, As previously instructed by Gertrude, Jenny Likens recited the rehearsed version of evidence leading to Likens' death to police before whispering to the officers, You get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Good on you, Jenny. Go, Jenny. Doesn't that... That's like a a significant changing moment, empowering for Jenny. I needed that, yeah. Yeah, I I know, right? Me too. Thank you, Jenny. She's going to get her come and thup it. Because I was just about, I was like they were going to bring her, take her down with them, but oh, God. Yeah, yeah. But imagine the courage of that, right? I've got to, I'm a kid, I'm probably 15 or 14, I've got to tell the police this story and then I'm going to quickly try to find a way to sneak that sentence in. They've murdered my sister and they'll be murdering me next. Yeah. Mm. The formal statement provided by Jenny Likens. We almost need some hero music here, I think. <clears throat> the formal statement provided by Jenny Likens prompted officers to arrest Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie and John Jr. on suspicion of Likens' murder within hours of the discovery of her body. The same day, Good. Coy, remember Coy, our mate? Uh, yes, and, Rich- and Richard Hobbs, who I skipped over, but there was, let's just say there was some um, words being carved into her stomach by Richard Hobbs as well as by Gertrude. Sorry, you might um, want to tell us about that. What was that? <clears throat> do, you, do you really want to hear it? Yeah, no, I won't go into detail, but they uh, carved words no, into her no, stomach. No, but they carved, they, oh, God. What, yeah, when yeah. she was in the basement? Oh, yeah, far yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, so oh. I skipped over that. I'm, I'm trying to protect and you. They, Stop asking me questions. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I'm just trying to get yeah. like, so they're like just kids from the neighbourhood or the five cent viewing gallery yeah, yeah. are doing, are, yeah. are being able to do that. Oh, charming. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. The three eldest Banaszewski children plus Coy Hubbard were placed in the custody of a nearby juvenile detention centre. The younger Banaszewski children and Richard Hobbs were detained at the Indianapolis Children's Guardian's home. All were held without bail pending trial. Gertrude <laughs> denied having any involvement in Lycan's death. What a lovely soul. Um, and confessed to having known the kids, particularly her daughter Paula and Coy Hubbard, had physically and emotionally abused Lycan's, stating, Paula did most of the damage 
and Coy Hubbard did a lot of the beating. Gertrude further admitting to having forced the girl to sleep in the basement on approximately three occasions when she had wet the bed. I don't know. I don't know how she wet the bed, oh. how she became incontinent. You know, I wasn't involved in it, but I did have to lock her in the basement when she wet her bed. I was a bedwetter, let me tell you. And I don't ever recall being sent, well, didn't have a basement, but sent somewhere uh, yeah, to uh, yeah. sleep. I just would have, yeah, that's <laughs> what a stretch. Right. But, just on those three but, occasions, hey? How good's this person? And and all I've got for you is that they're um, one officer. She became evasive when one officer stated the likely reasons Lycans had become incontinent were her mental distress and injury to her kidneys. Mm-hmm. Cop that, mole. This officer is not falling for your shit. And well done, officer. <clears throat> Lacking any remorse, our mate. Sorry, just not, not detective. a defective detective. That's right. No, that is one <laughs> effective Correct. detective. Yeah, Correct. Or yeah, effective yeah. detective. Anyway, um... <clears throat> Lacking any remorse, Paula signed a statement admitting to having repeatedly beaten Lycans about the backside with her mother's police belt, once breaking her wrist on Lycans' jaw, and inflicting other acts of brutality, including pushing her down the stairs into the basement two or three times and inflicting a black eye. John Jr. admitted to having spanked Sylvia on one occasion, adding that most of the time I used my fists to abuse her. We're back in that abuse Mm. space, aren't we? I need to skip over this. (sighs) (laughs) I suppose it's quite hard to avoid. Oh, I know. It just keeps coming back at me. Um, Five other children were uh, who participated in Lycan's abuse, uh, Michael Munro, Randy Lepper, Darlene Maguire, Judy Duke and Anna Sisko uh, were arrested on the 29th of October. All were charged with causing injury to a person and each was subsequently released into the custody of their parents under subpoena to appear as witnesses in the upcoming trial. Okay, so this bit's not going to help in that this is the autopsy, so there's some stuff there. Um, Yeah. I'm just trying to... uh, So all I can say here probably without making things a whole lot worse is that um, the doctor said a subdural hematoma uh, was the cause of death uh, due to her receiving a severe blow to her right temple. Both the shock she had primarily suffered due to the severe and prolonged damage inflicted to her skin and subcutaneous tissues plus the severe malnutrition were listed as contributory factors to her death. Rigor mortis had fully developed at the time of the discovery of her body indicating lichens may have been deceased for up to eight hours before she was found i know that wasn't very pleasing um and and probably wasn't my intent but this bit um so although he did note that uh having been recently bathed possibly <clears throat> to be fair clark you've got to make some time you know if you're going to smack someone with a bible or a book uh you got to you know, allow some time for them to recover yeah, you know, the, the Bible trick doesn't work instantly. I mean, she's not I mean, Jesus. Remember, Margaret Peter. You know, she's not even been, she's she's not even been sainted her for days, and she didn't come back. That's yeah, right, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Oh, 
so disgusting. Anyway, it's an excellent sorry. point you make, but 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 the doctor also said that um, because she'd recently been bathed, possibly after death, that this act could have hastened the loss of body temperature and thus sped on the onset of rigor mortis. So um, it may have been a little bit different. <clears throat> so there was a funeral conducted. Uh, in oh, sorry, on the 29th of October, so all happening fairly quickly now. It's like three days later, uh, with more than a hundred mourners in attendance. Uh, Lycan's casket remained open throughout the ceremony, uh, with a portrait Where of her taken. Where were those when she was being tortured? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but also, you know, if this became some kind of a public case, there may have been people who just wanted to be there. So I, I don't think she had a lot of people oh, I get in it, and around her. No. But like some of those hundred may not have even known her and, and I don't know that for fact, but I just I guess I'm, what I'm assuming is that given the lack of support she had in life, the support in death I is think you're from probably people right. who, yeah. I, and I think, isn't that the anyway. tragedy? <clears throat> isn't that the tragedy? A whole bunch of people came out well, when she died, no one yeah, there for her when it, she was alive. Is it is it the tragedy or is it the monster of Gertrude? Because some people did try, and she, you know, she is a monster. There's no no two ways about it. Um, you know, she's not a serial killer. She didn't do it to a whole lot of people. She just was horrendous to one person. And it all started because the. The money from the father was a couple of days late. Schmidty, remember exactly right. Schmidty, remember your um, the conversation about your tenants in the UK who are not paying their rent on time. Yeah, I'm not about to go and try and beat them and put them in the. I have a basement. So, I mean, send them this story. You know, maybe some pub. <laughs> just, just as a subtle, yeah. <laughs> a, a subtle. Um, you know, this is what happens to some people. Is <laughs> <clears throat> that a hint? Uh, Keep it up. In his Keep it eulogy. Up. Keep yeah. blocking that I'm, toilet, I'm looking... not cancelling the, um, the plumber. I, maybe this will happen No, here. I think maybe you should just say, I'm, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at getting a, a new, um, a new, what are they called? Landlord, not landlord, the, the, the estate agent. The property property manager, manager. and her yeah, name yeah, yeah, is yeah. Gertrude Banajewski. <laughs> oh, okay. My tenants have I'm got a hard find, time if that's the case. I'm trying to find humour where there is none, but yeah, no. Well, I think they'll pay on time if you did that. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> in his eulogy, <laughs> the Reverend Gibson stated, "We all have our time of passing, but we won't suffer like our little sister suffered during the last days of her life." He then strode towards Lycan's casket before adding, "She has gone to eternity." Uh, her headstone is inscribed with the mm. words, "Our darling daughter." So, I think you know, there's been some really nice mm. things that have happened once. She's out from the Gertrude and family and neighbour umbrella cloud, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, this is not this is not a an indictment on the community. It's an indictment on a horrible woman who brainwashed children to do evil things as well. Uh, on December the thirtieth, so two months later, 
the Marion County Grand Jury returned first-degree murder indictments against Gertrude and two of her three oldest children, Paula and John Banaszewski Jr. Uh, also indicted were Richard Hobbs and Coy, not so Coy Hubbard. All were charged with having repeatedly struck, beaten, kicked, and otherwise inflicting a culmination of fatal injuries to Sylvia Likens with premeditated malice. That sentence I love in the context of this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a crime in and to itself, but it just describes what happened so well. So three weeks prior to filing of the indictments against the five defendants. Stephanie, remember Stephanie, who stood up for um, Sylvia on a couple of occasions, uh, had been released from custody upon a writ of, and here's my awesome Latin, habeas corpus bond with her attorney (laughs) successfully contending the state had insufficient evidence to support any murder or culmination of fatal injuries charges against her. Stephanie waived her immunity from any potential impending prosecution while agreeing to testify against her family and any other individuals charged with abusing them and murdering lichens. So she could have got immunity and she said, no, no, I'm going to tell you what I know and I'm waiving my immunity. Jesus, yeah. Credit, like, honestly, that's, I think that's big for... Someone who's been through all of that, she's going, I, I might have been part of this. I don't really know. I'm not getting myself off the hook, but I'm going to tell you what happened. That's almost better than How old was she? asking for immunity. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. So remember she went to school with the the with Jenny and Sylvia. So, you know, again, it's only a few years either side. She could have been a few years yeah. older yeah. when they started, but Even that, it, it's um, literally five years kind when of she thing. Died. Yeah, when yeah. Sylvia, given the she was sixteen, like that's quite twenty one kind of thing. I, I think it really is, and and you know when you go this dark into a story, you go looking for any silver lining, and I find that an you know like Jenny and her whispering, yeah, this is uh, yes. an incredible moment where someone There's goes, you know there, what, yeah. I'm. I'm better than all of this and I'm ashamed and I'm not okay with it and, and maybe I'm guilty too, but I'm going to tell you what happened because I know it was wrong. I now know and I, I probably she, I feel like she knew anyway, but, but she has a voice now and an opportunity to say it without fear of being beaten like everyone else was. So then um, at a formal pre-trial hearing on March the 16th, 1966, so, you know, we're now five months or so after Sylvia passed, um, several psychiatrists testified before Judge Saul Isaac Rabb as to their conclusions regarding psychiatric evaluations. They had conducted upon three individuals and they all uh, said that all three were mentally competent to stand trial. They weren't mad. That's all right. They were just... Sorry. They weren't mad. <laughs> they were just evil, evil people. I literally hmm. just, my, one of my children just came to school and I took it off and then my first thing I heard was <laughs> that charming line, which means it was very funny. The trial of Gertrude and Paula and John and Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard began on April uh, 1966, April 18, 1966. They were all tried together. 
Um, and the reason they were all tried together is that the prosecution said that uh, they should be tried together as they were ultimately... Were they all underage? No, Gertrude's overage. Paula and... Oh, no, Gertrude, obviously, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Gertrude, obviously. Um, Yeah, no, no, the others would have been probably... I think they might have been a bit older. I don't know, but they would have been close. Yeah, they were adults, yep, yep. The prosecution said that... They should be charged with acting in concert in their collective crimes against Lycans and that as as such, if each were tried separately, neither judge Mm -hmm. nor jury could hear testimony relating to a total picture of the accumulation of offences committed. Like, again, I think that's that's smart. That's a very fair call. And I like that. Yeah, but I I also like that the court went, you know what? Yep. Because... um, Lawyers, I think, will will do what they can to back their position either way. But I like, I think that makes a lot of sense, right. and I think it's yeah. great that the court went, yeah, we'll do that too. Uh, so each of the jurors was um, questioned, and so if you were the prosecution, you would uh, get rid of any jurors who expressed any opposition to the death penalty, uh, and if you were the the, um, the defense, really defended on this one though. Uh-huh. You know, like, did the defence just go? No, I do. <laughs> oh, they you, did. You tell me once I. Fucks. You tell me once I tell you. Fucks. Um. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know, right? I know. It's coming. I know. Uh, so, if they, yeah, if they express opposition to the death penalty, they were excused by the prosecution, and if they worked with children, expressed prejudice against an insanity defence. Or repulsion against regard, sorry, or repulsion regarding the actual horrific nature of Lycan's death, they were excused. No I'm sorry, if you have a moral compass, you can't be a part of this jury. What? Oh. Who who could? I just wanted to say that last bit again yeah, because well, we look. I've had to. I've had to skip you. through. Because my well, no, clients no, are not so. That. No, my clients are so guilty that if you have a moral compass, you'll find them guilty. Therefore, it's unfair. So we no, have no, to my, have... No, no, my clients... I, see, I, I read that the opposite way. My clients are actually so not guilty that if you're repulsed by what they did, you'll actually think they're guilty and they're just not. Like, it's... it's that, that to me is... is super important here. Like I've had to skip over details of this because the three of us sitting here or the four of us sitting here discussing it um, can't actually deal with it. And then the defence says, if you show repulsion regarding the actual horrific nature of Lycan's death, you can't have a rational opinion. So none of us could be on that um, jury. Jury. Now, I I think that that's not... Okay, and that's that's a problem with the legal system whereby people who I view as being as normal as anyone else, and I get normal is not a thing, but, you know, we're, we're a fair um, cross-section of community, as I'm sure anyone who was horrified by that was. In fact, if you weren't horrified by it, maybe then you shouldn't be on there. I wonder what <laughs> Regina Lawless would say. I know, I know. All I'm saying is that the whole point of the, I mean, it's so stacked, but we can't have anyone who who 
is grossed out by what these people did because then they will immediately say they're guilty. I'm one- and that prejudices them against the defence. I'm wondering case. if they even found people who weren't repulsed by it. Like it just, you know, the whole thing is nonsense. It's a good question. That's a very good I, question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I do. Yeah, I do know though that yeah, um, that me. Regina has said that yeah, there's now limits as to how many people you can in Victoria, not in 1965. Indiana, so yeah. you know I, I need to make that distinction reject? very clear. You can't reject yeah, you everyone. Can't reject well, no, I, I think you yeah, get yeah. three or something. So, and, and I think you know this is the thing where we yeah, yeah, we hear yeah. stories about this, oh, and, and sometimes in day to day life we go, God, there's so many rules, and there's so much this, and there's so much that. Then you hear a story like this and go, that's why this would this would never happen in How? my life what? regardless yeah. of rules but, but well could. no no what i mean is really that the the bullying and the crime committing and all of that would never happen in my life it could happen to me but it i wouldn't be a part of this um and therefore i go god you really need to do that but but yeah you do <sighs> okay here we go. This is closing arguments. I know, Deep right? Breath. Far out. Let's start with the prosecution. How do, how do I read this and go, I'm going to tell this story and then get to telling it and go, oh, I can't do this anymore. This is a pisser. They're going to love this story. It's so funny. Am I right? Anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Do I need another bottle of wine? I do. I should say we're five. Oh, sorry, three hours into this podcast already. So for listeners, you know, by the time this is edited, it could be an hour and twenty minutes. Um, Schmitty had had something like three or four before she started. What are you up to now, Schmitty? Second slab. Counting. Um, Counting. Counting. <laughs> I've run out of fingers. Um, I think I, I, I slowed down. Good. I'm glad. No, I slowed down. Six. And you're clearly. And what you're clearly eating you're stuff, clearly so I think that's a good sign too. Having dinner. She's having a. She's on a dinner. Sorry, Aiden is cheating. It's eight thirty. I've had six cruises. Six. I am Whoa! Yeah, good for you, Dale. Um, that sounds yummy. I had to. I had to. It was self-preservation. <laughs> and you know, you know when, like, when you're growing oh, up, God. they say don't speak with your mouth full i feel that's more because you'll spit your food or it'll look gross not about the sound so no one can see this and you're not in danger of spitting your food well, it's over. hilarious but you know if you if you could see me if you could have seen me perhaps you would have thrown to me saying how many drinks did you have <laughs> you threw to me and i yeah, was suddenly required to answer the question <laughs> When I was and I was like, oh god damn it, I've got a mouthful Mid of food, much. and I can't swallow it that quickly. Uh, you know, contrary to popular opinion, things not to be put record like I'm recording, but things Bla- to be edited out. Eat a black-eyed, ba- no, eat a bag of black-eyed dick. See, I didn't say that at all. I said black-eyed peas because yeah, no, I said peas. that. Oh, I said that because you looked at me and said, but I said, I said. I didn't no, say dicks. I said no, because peas. dicks have an eye. Bang. So what's grosser than eating a bag of dicks? A black eye. If the dicks have got a black eye as well, like oh, the abyss ugh. down the penis. What? Well, what Krusty the fuck cum... caused that? Radio. Crusty cum. Oh. You, you know, are we could have all just let it. 
I'm sorry, you asked the question. I was just answering the question. <laughs> Crusty cunt. Oh, she's not oh, wrong. She's not wrong. Crusty You're not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. I could, no, well, it could be gangrenous dicks. No yeah. If we're, that's black. No if, if we're really trying to answer the question, you know, things go black when they're gangrenous. Yeah, all right, And we were dicks. talking about Randy Leper. Leper, Leper dicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're bad. They're bad. Oh. I did feel for Randy Leper. I was thinking before. So it's the kind of thing that you're never going to be able to. Hard to have a brand named after you if your name is Randy Leper. It's like There's a it's lot like going Mist- on with that name. It's like Misty Hyman. <laughs> Yeah, or Emily C bomb. Like you just don't stand a chance. And oddly, both of them are swimmers, and I feel mm. like it was because they were bullied into spending all their time in the water away from people who shamed them for their names. Note to self, if you want to have an Olympic gold medal swimmer, maybe give them a name like that. It's that or asthma. You know how everybody was like, oh, oh I had yes. to go into the pool. Yes, so, exactly. Asthma. Asthma. I thought you said, is that harassment? I'm like, um, maybe. <laughs> it could actually be harassment. <laughs> no, asthma. asthma or. Asthma. Yeah. Is that asthma? That's what asthma. you say in America. Yeah. Is that America. asthma? Yeah, asthma. <sighs> I don't know but why I'm it's so, so different that they would call it asthma and we call it asthma. Anyway, it is what it is. The trial of the five defendants lasted 17 days before the jury retired to consider its verdict. On May 19, 1966, after deliberating for eight hours, the panel of eight men and four women f- found Gertrude Banaszewski guilty of first-degree murder, recommending a sentence of life imprisonment. So Paula was found guilty of second-degree murder and Hobbs, Hubbard and John Banaszewski Jr. were found guilty of murder. That was sounding like a band until you got to John Banaszewski Jr. Hobbs, Hubbard and John. Hubbard, Hobbs, whatever. It was like Hobbs, Hubbard and then you go John Banaszewski Jr. It's like, oh, it sounds like a band. Like well, Cosby still yeah, well, could, it, then it was it, like, nah. Not, yeah, <laughs> no, I think, I think it was more Hobbs, Hubbard and John were the band, but then I had to... Um, yeah. Because I've clearly slurred a few of the words. So I had to kind of think (laughs) through that. So it was like, and Hobbs, Hubbard and John, and then I'm pausing trying to prepare myself like I'm an Olympic swimmer to say Banaszewski Jr. And that's where the band is. But (laughs) if they were a band, Hobbs, Hubbard and John, what would they sing? Mm -hmm. Leave it with me. I'm going to go with for both uh, Stephanie and Jenny. Uh, search for the hero inside yourself by the M people. Yep. Or possibly Heather Small. Heather Small was the singer, lead singer of the M people. But I think that's appropriate. Oh, because... you're getting very technical. That's a... Did you just happen to remember that? No, I just know you're that. Fan. No, I'm not even a fan. I just I know, know stuff, stuff like, like that. Like you sometimes, know. You, sometimes um, you say that your ge- your general knowledge is pretty good on that. <laughs> No, my music, my music knowledge. For the hero inside yourself. That one? Yeah. Yep, that's the one. Yep. So my music knowledge is good. My pop culture, like, you know, Kardashian botched, all of that stuff, zero interest. I I can't do reality, but I can do music. So, yeah, and um, that's all I think. Oh, you should be very proud of that. (laughs) Thank you. Um, No, I just think that. 
So what? It touches I touch you. Myself. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, I actually meant to say it speaks. It speaks to you, but I said the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, so to say, it's, <laughs> that's so I, funny. Sorry about that. Be- I know, I know. Because- and as it came out, I thought that sounds wrong. And you went, what? And I was like, oh, fuck, I meant to say well, it speaks it- to you, not it touches you. <laughs> No, but I love this because oh, I God. listened to um, to Clown Passion today, which our listeners by now will have heard a few episodes. As ago. you do, and and you yeah. said um, you call refer to John Wayne oh. Gacy as Gary. Yeah. Gary, yeah, at Gary. one point, and Gary. Uh, you, yeah. you said yeah. when he when he got back from the hospital, and yeah. like. <laughs> So we I had this whole that, moment yeah. where we were going, Who, where, Gary what? went to the Gary hospital. What? It's Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, yes, oh, um, my, my now, music like, it knowledge touches, you as if it touches it me. <laughs> I touch myself. I feel like it's a divinal song. I, I meant to say that, that song, you know, I meant to oh. say what I was thinking was that song, you know, they use it in a lot of motivational clips for um, – you know, athletes and the Olympics, whatever else. And I meant to say, does it speak to you as a sort of a motivational piece? But I got it all wrong, and I said, touch it. We we all know oh, when athletes I just want my head on the microphone. Touch themselves. I fall, I fall <laughs> apart. If you could see me, you know, I just hit. I just hit the microphone with my head. Blame the COVID. Oh. Blame the oh. COVID. Exactly. Oh, blame the COVID. Yep. Did Did oh. you lose your I sense of, of smell? No. <laughs> Did you have the fever? No. Did your microphone fall no. apart? Yes. I'm banged. <laughs> if you've experienced any of these symptoms in the last 14 days, please don't podcast. With Isolate. Us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love that you have, and I love that you've nailed it. Fuck. Where <laughs> was I? This is just... oh, You're in a conviction I don't somewhere. Know. Sorry, darling. We're in a conviction. No, no, it's. I know. I need to be apologising. It's just traumatic. We're in the convictions. Oh. Blah blah blah. Did I did I get to any of them? Yes. Second degree. Second degree. We got to. Murder? We got to the band of Hobbs, Hobbs no. Hub and so Hobbs <laughs> Hubbard and John. John. Banaszewski Junior were found guilty of manslaughter upon hearing Judge oh. Rab pronounce the verdicts. Gertrude and her children burst into tears and attempted to console each other as Hobbs and Hubbard remained impassive. Uh, on May 25, uh, Gertrude and Paula Banaszewski were formally sentenced to life imprisonment. The same day, Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard and John Banaszewski Jr. each received sentences of two to 21 years to be served in Indiana reformatory. In September 1970, the Indiana Supreme Court reversed the convictions of Gertrude and Paula Banaszewski on the basis that Judge Saul (laughs) Isaac Rabb had denied repeatedly submitted motions by their defence counsel at their original trial for both a change of venue and separate trials. Fuck off. Jesus. Ugh. Carla, any thoughts on that? They reversed. Ha- happy to go with Schmidties? Well, well, yeah, I'm just, um, what's the word I'm after? I can't speak anymore. Assass- oh, no, I'm not going to say another word because I honestly cannot speak. I know what word I want to say, but it's not coming out. Too many diet <laughs> 
Not even. Just, I just. <laughs> upsets me okay. greatly. I'll continue. This ruling further stated <laughs> yeah. that the circumstances regarding the prejudicial atmosphere created during their initial trial due to the extensive news media publicity surrounding the case impeded any chance of either appellant receiving a fair trial. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Remember when we spoke about there being 100 people at the funeral? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's clearly a very publicised case and yeah. um, people who were there perhaps may not have known um, Sylvia. <clears throat> anyway, that, the pair really were retried in 1970. It, sorry, Paul, but when it came to one of Australia's most famous uh, cases tried in the media, everyone hung poor old Lindy Chamberlain, you know. Lindy, quite, yep. yeah, quite yeah. the opposite happened here. Oh, oh, mistrial. No one was calling that for poor old Lindy. Anyway, just... Well, no, no, but Tap but I don't think theory. I don't think. <clears throat> I don't think Lindy. Yeah, no, no, but I don't think the. the yeah. This is the the appeal isn't up to the public, right? And so I don't think the public here went <clears throat> where um, this disgusts us. It's the legal system that has said we this is not okay because she hasn't no, had a no, fair no. trial. No, 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 hundred percent. And ha- but no Australian <clears throat> legal system called out this is unfair because we've tried her by media. Anyway, that's the parallel I'm calling. Correct. Is it? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah media, and you're spot on with that. But in America, they said, oh, we can't do that, which I understand. I actually do understand, even though we think these people are as guilty as But, but also, no, also. But who said that? Did you say, like, I hear the state? Uh, well, no, the, the, so there was an appeal. So then they went back to court. Okay, and I said, thought it was yeah, the state. Yeah, we, had we said, should. Okay, it was it. Okay. Yeah, no. So no. So they said we should retry it. But Schmidty, to your point too, um, Lindy Chamberlain was found innocent in the end, um, albeit oh, yeah. over Only... a way too long a period. And <clears throat> yeah, it's not quite. The no, same. no, but but what I'm saying is that it. it no, I'm, it's not the same at all, and it's not okay. I, I, I'm saying. I just want to say that she did get found guilty. Yes. You know, there was no immediate retrial, but eventually um, we got yeah. to the truth. And, yeah, and but only because, that... sorry, sorry, <clears throat> listeners, but only because there was new evidence that was brought to light, not because of a mistrial, not because the, the um, media of Australia prosecuted her before any judge could or any jury. And that, yes. that, that was the yeah, terrible yeah, no, correct. But, but miscarriage we did get... of justice. <clears throat> yeah, but what if no one had ever found the matinee jacket? Anyway, yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just mm. saying that eventually we got to some fact. Here, it's a different story mm. because they actually were both guilty. So that they were retried in 1971. Um, on this occasion, Paula opted to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter rather than face a retrial. She was sentenced to serve a term of between two and twenty years. Like. Honestly, this is a thing in Indiana at this time. I'm not sure if it still is now. Somewhere in middle America. Exactly, Canning Crows. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so, so she was uh, sentenced to serve a term of between 2 and 20 years imprisonment for her part in Lycan's abuse and death. Despite twice unsuccessfully having attempted to escape from prison in 1971, she was released in December 1972. <clears throat> Joke. Nope, I'm not joking. Gertrude, however, 
was again convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Over the course of the following 14 years, Gertrude became known as a model prisoner. We've heard this before, not about Gertrude, but about other people. Uh, she worked in the prison sewing Did shop. Did she find God? Not... Uh, well, she didn't. But it, oh no, sorry. Sorry. How did I miss that? Because you know my stance on that. Let me let me continue. She worked in a prison sewing shop and oh, was, they just often do. And was known as somewhat of a den mother to young female inmates, becoming known to some oh. in the prison by nickname Mum. Sounds mm. like a, an episode of Prisoner or Wentworth. That's by not dissimilar of, to what she lauded over the neighbourhood, though. That's what bothers me about uh-huh. that. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's correct. About the power. She's it it's a similar dynamic. Yeah, similar right, dynamic he, to her household and her street. The neighbours' kids. But Carla, like, oh here's God, the bit. Here's yes. the bit you're fishing for. By the time of Gertrude's ultimate parole in 1985, hold that for a second, we'll come back to that, she had changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen, a combination of her middle name and maiden name, and described herself as a devout Christian. Snaps for her. You need to kick a couple of boxes. That's always on the boxes. You never hear of a prisoner who leaves and they reform and doesn't really just throw that one in for good measure. They're a devout atheist and therefore they get um, (laughs) released early. (laughs) I wonder how that would work for them. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, there we go. This Um, just continues to disappoint, doesn't it, really? Yeah, no, no, but I'm going to, for our listeners now, I'm going to show everyone, oh, sorry, everyone, as in Schmitty and Stuart and Carla, a picture of um, Gertrude. Can you see her there? I think that photo actually looks like a monster. I think Disney would not <laughs> see her as the, um, as, what's the name? Cinderella. They would see her as the ugly stepsisters or the... Yeah mother or you know she's certainly the wicked witch of the west she not the north. fed the apple to the to snow white you know yep. all those things all those sorts of bad things do, do you see that yeah she's got a face on her like a smacked ass i actually find this significant in in today's terms not in the 60s i, I get it but in today's terms i go i can actually see and possibly judge this woman by her looks and I know that's not okay but it kind of makes sense when you see this mm. do you see that or is it just me have they got the picture I yet? don't know yeah. I think she's just wearing a hairdo of the time and an outfit of the time and she looks like she's been road hard and yeah. put away wet um which she probably was because she pushed out seven children by the time she was like 15 I know I exaggerate I've never heard that saying okay. before Schmidt. what road does it say hard, she's, like she's been put away wet, put away wet. Yeah, I just think she's a monster. And can we just get on to putting her in a trial by wine type scenario? Because yes, I'd like but I am going to say challenge to me to to remind me for when we're actually coming up to releasing this. I'm going to try to find a Disney character that matches that photo. Okay, so looks like one of the ones from the I can picture from the Rescuers. <laughs> the Rescuers, good. I'll look that. I'll look at that too because I don't know that one. <laughs> Um, but again, listeners, if you have other photos that are appropriate once you've seen this, share them. So this this bit's this bit's called the aftermath. <clears throat> Following her release in 1985, Gertrude relocated to Iowa. She never accepted full responsibility for Lycan's prolonged torment and death, 
insisting she was unable to precisely recall any of her actions in the months of Lycan's prolonged and increasing abuse and torment within her home. She primarily blamed her actions upon the medication she had been prescribed to treat her asthma. Carla, that was for you. Asthma. Asthma. Oh, asthma. Sorry, I got it wrong. Asthma. asthma. Yeah, asthma. not asthma. Not asthma. Um, Gertrude lived in relative obscurity in Laurel, Iowa, until her death due to lung cancer on June 16, 1990, at the age of 61. I'm kind of okay with karma in that space. Reflecting upon the news of Gertrude, Gertrude's death and the issues raised pertaining to her sanity with both trials, John Dean, a former reporter for the Indianapolis Star who had provided extensive coverage of the case, would state in 2015, I never thought she was insane. I thought she was a downtrodden, mean woman. Dean also likened the case to William Golding's novel, Lord of the Flies, 100%. Although he has stated Lycan's increasing physical and emotional abuse was not a result of children going wild, it was children doing what they were told. After her 1972 parole, Paula Banaszewski assumed a new identity. She worked as an aide to a school counsellor for 14 years at the Beeman Conrad Liscombe Union Witten Community School. Having changed her name to Paula Pace and concealing the truth regarding her criminal history when applying for the position, she was fired in 2012 when the school discovered her true identity. That's 40 years. Not too bad. Yes. Bloody ridiculous. Sorry, 14 years. I, I must say, I. I wonder how like. One, two, skip a few, 19 on 100 in true trial by wine sense. Uh, Paula. The children, the way she treated lichens. Yeah, yeah, correct. Paula reportedly lives in a small town in Iowa. She is married and has two children. The baby daughter to whom she had given birth while being tried in 1966, who she named after her mother, was later adopted. So she actually has three children. She named one after her mother. Uh, What? The murder charges initially filed against Gertrude's second eldest daughter, 15-year-old Stephanie, were ultimately dropped after she agreed to turn state's evidence against the other defendants. I'm okay with that. Uh, Shortly after their mother's arrest in Marion County Department, the public welfare placed Marie, Shirley and James Banaszewski in care of separate foster families. The surname of all three children was legally changed to Blake in the late 1960s after their father regained their custody. Richard Coy and John each served less than two years in the Indiana Reformatory before being granted parole on February 27, 1968. Richard Hobbs died of lung cancer on January 2nd, 1972 at the age of 21. Jesus. No, I'm going with karma. I don't think Jesus had had anything to do with that. I think that's karma. Uh, But he got the most severe karma out of everyone. So karma hasn't actually... Yeah. Worked in the scale that I would like it to, but you know, let's keep Jesus out of it and go with karma. Radio. <laughs> Following his 1968 release from the Indiana Reformatory, Corey Hubbard, sorry, Coy Hubbard, 
remained in Indiana and never attempted to change his name. Throughout his adult life, Hubbard was repeatedly imprisoned for various criminal offences and on one occasion being charged with the 1977 murders of two young men, although largely due to a fact the chief witness to testify at his trial had been a convicted criminal of the murders, he was acquitted of this charge. Shortly after the January 2007 premiere of the crime drama film An American Crime, he was fired from his job. He died of a heart attack in Shelbyville on June 23rd of that year and died at the age of 56. So, you know, not great. John Jr. lived in... And I'm getting a tone in my voice now because I'm just sick to fucking death of this story. Apologies, everyone. I hope you're still with us. John Jr. lived in relative obscurity under the alias John Blake. He became a lay minister. That sounds gross. I don't know what that is, but it sounds wrong. Something with the church. George Pell. I don't know. That means um, a non, frequently hosting counselling sessions. Non, um, ordained minister. Yeah. Not a professional. Yeah. Denominational. Oh, okay. It's not about laying people. Not all sorry, but it's like a lay person. Right. Yeah. yeah, someone who hasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, sorry, my focus. My focus was on the wrong word. No, no qualifications <clears throat> as such, I guess. Not sort of qualified. Right. Gotcha. Became a yakety yakka. Uh, so several dec- yakety yak don't go back. <laughs> several decades after his release from the Indiana Reformatory, John Jr. issued a statement in which he acknowledged the fact that he and his co-defendant should have been sentenced to a more severe term of punishment, adding that young criminals are not beyond rehabilitation and describing how he had become a productive citizen. He died of diabetes on May 19, 2005 at the age of 52. There's a bit of karma going on there what too. The fuck 52 is not old. Prior to his death, he had also occasionally spoken publicly... Oh, Jesus! Well, it's not a heart attack. <laughs> I got it in there. I got it. I got it in there. The Sylvia's Child Advocacy Centre is officially dedicated to the memory of Sylvia Likens, founded in 2010 in Lebanon, Indiana, and initially named after the Boone County Child Advocacy Centre. This non-profit organisation was renamed in Likens' honour in 2016 with the executive director stating the most important thing we can do is tell kids they are hurt and we are listening. This was something no one did for young Sylvia. Her family is thankful, though it doesn't doesn't have to be that way anymore. She did not die in vain. She died a horrific death. And because of that, we're hoping that another child can be saved. The this child advocacy centre was formed. I was wondering what her parents thought. Yeah. Uh. This Child Advocacy Centre was formed with the objective to assist child victims of abuse and neglect to minimise the ongoing traumatic effects experienced as a result of their ordeal and to undertake a relentless pursuit to prevent child abuse in both Boone and Montgomery County. Professionals at Sylvia's Child Advocacy Centre work in concert with both law enforcement and the local Department of Child Services. Staff also conduct forensic interviews and provide assistance with legal procedures as well as mental and medical health referrals. That's a a sunny end to my story. Um, Goodness. A lot of this, you know, is is stuff that Sylvia would have benefited from and and possibly, possibly would have avoided her end. But it's, it's nice when you see examples of the world changing that 
are um, positive and as a result of something negative. Therefore, I'm done. Schmitty, Swanee, over to you. <clears throat> Do what you will with this. Can I just ask you, there was a, there was a, a turn of phrase that you just used, was, um, was it relentless pursuit? Schmidt, you've come there... down a lot. Have you drunk and then eaten and now no, you're like, I'm just angry. Like, I'm just Swanee, angry. this is, this is very, the calm before very... the storm. This <laughs> oh, is right. like I, was say, I have like been the eye of the cyclone. Like, the shit. Shit is about to get real. You know when you about to light a fire. Those those (laughs) toys that you wind up and they're really, really cool in your hand. She's going to go off like a you let them go or like a fucking firecracker. Yeah. Over to you. I have been waiting for Paul to finish the story. I've just been trying to not interrupt it so that I can get to this point. As has everyone. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, this is an in-depth story and uh, I'm just going to do my best to shush and be keep stum until I get my chance. So, relentless pursuit. So I, Now's I, your chance. Sorry, Swanee, are you okay if I sentence ahead of you? Oh, please do because you know what? I've got no idea what to do all with right. this is so, all I've had a lot of thought about this because I've been angry for from about the first fifteen minutes in. <laughs> some time <laughs> yeah, ago, yes. Uh, even when I edit it, it will still be some time ago. So her yeah. name's Lichens, and I know it's spelt like um, the little plant. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's go... not. It's not spelt like the plant in on Wikipedia. No, it's not at all. L I C. No, it's L I K. No, it's oh, like point is it's not no. spelt like yeah, lichen yeah. as in not... wolves, is it? <laughs> I'm going to go down rabid wolves. Well, it's wolves. not spelled like lichens as in moss. Okay, fine. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Go. I'm going down the path of rabid wolves because the lichen right. or like I, I like it. The lichens were, you know, the word that uh, werewolves come from, lichen. So I'm going down that path. All right. Oh. And the relentless pursuit, I like that. So... I'm going to sentence. How's it spelt? How's it spelt? How do you spell lichen? L Y C A N. Originally, I was going to put them all in a basement <laughs> and let them all rot. And then I thought, well, no, there's a relentless pursuit, and her name rhymes with lichen, as in L Y C A N, being something to do with werewolves and shit. So I figure they are going nice. to be. I like it. Every single person, apart from Jenny and maybe Stephanie, maybe. Was it Stephanie? Yeah, no, keep Steph. I'm going to call her Steph then. Please. Steph. Steph. Uh, And Diana, because Diana also had some tragedy in her later life. And she's the older sister. She didn't really do anything wrong, except maybe neglect her younger sisters. But everyone else involved in this who were actively involved in the horrendous torture of this girl are going to be perpetually ripped apart by lichens, i.e. werewolves, and then um, or, perpetually. Or, moss, or moss, that's fine. Moss is probably Talk to me more beautiful. about perpetually. Uh, you know, like I get ripped apart and then yes. I wake e- up again eaten in by the ground. Fungus. <laughs> eaten by lichen. The yes. next day uh, I wake up I just and want I'm, you to describe that to more. Don't, don't skip over that detail. It's yes. very slow. If I'm going to be yes. eaten by moss, it's going to take some time, but that's okay. Maybe I'll bury, bury them alive. With enough fertilizer around them so that the um, moss really takes off and just slowly, you know, subsumes them 
and eats them while they're still living. Oh, God, that got really dark. Anyway, lots of nastiness because I think that that is deserved. That's my sentence. Okay. Nice. Well, I like it. Nice. Carla, yes. are you going okay. to sentence, well, sentence um, them to 50 lines? If on anybody's the been hanging around hours and hours and hours for my sentencing, I'd be very surprised. Seeing as I'm, it's not my strong point and nothing will change today. <laughs> it will continue to be a weak point. And I feel very uncomfortable with this topic. I find it just horrendous. I mean, sexual abuse, torture, child abuse, it's just not a particularly nice area to be talking about. I've got to say, so we don't really cover a lot of nice you, but areas. But um, this no, is particularly so heinous, yeah. It's really hard, this one, isn't it? I mean, they're all hard for different reasons. But where this sort of really gets my goat is this idea that, that Gertrude essentially had a group of, you know, a group of young people, including her family, mm-hmm. statistically, you know, bully yeah. and torture this poor girl and it was really her power over them and enabling that to happen and continue to happen to sort of create this sort of Lord of the Flies kind of situation within the street that, you know, the fact that she was charging, I mean, it just, it beggars belief. So... I don't have anything particularly clever to say, but what I would say if we were going to do a trial by wine sentence, I would only put that same group of people into a situation where it was still Lord of the Flies, but where the power kept changing. So they Mm. never really knew who was in charge and if they were the ones who were going to be bullied at any given time. Oh, you're clever. Because I find that that's that's where it starts to unravel when they think that there's someone leading and everybody else following and everyone thinks they have to be part of that and then it becomes something that, you oh, know, it's diabolical. I'll say unhealthy, but I don't I don't mean unhealthy. I mean way beyond that. Mm. But imagine if that power dynamic, no one knew when the, the, the sands were shifting and they didn't know who was going to be in charge at any given time. They were all fearful for their life and whether they'd be the next victim. That's the only way that I could see that I could come and add anything at this point because I just... I think that was... That absolutely nails it. And I'm disappointed that I just went with some slow decomposition by moss. Anyway, going on. Moss. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I know it's not particularly Mm. macabre, but. No, 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 Carla. No, Carla, I think that is. That's gold. I think that's your best sentence yet. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I sat here. Wouldn't be hard. Would not be hard. Would not be hard. (laughs) Oh, no, no. No, no. But but honestly, so I I wondered whether we could come up with a sentence that we should put in Trial by Wine World, and I wondered if we could come up with it. It's the Lord of the Rings ride, but you just don't know who's in charge. Well, no, no. Lord of the Flies, not Lord of the Rings, please. What did I say, Lord of the Rings? Sorry, again, (laughs) that's so Carla. Sorry, I am a Lord of the Rings fan. I'm in hospital. Gary. Gary. (laughs) Gary, stop going to hospital. You're lit. Um, (laughs) When you listen back to these in years to come, you'll go, oh, that was where the dementia started. You will know, I'm telling you. (laughs) No, it's not. It's all here for everyone to hear. That's You're too young. We'll go. That's when we know we loved her. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. So, Lord of the Rings. So I was going to say, oh, I was wondering, <laughs> is there a um, could could we add something to Trial by Wine World? And if we could, of course we can. Could we call it? Of course we can. Um, no, 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 no. Of course. The developers are always but, asking but, new ideas. So, no, so it's what, your world. So what I mean is. Would I want to add another element to Trial by Wine World for this? Um, and if I did, would it be called um, Sylvia Likens' 
world? No. Or would it be called Gertrude no. Banaszewski world? And I don't want to name a world after Gertrude Banaszewski yeah. and I don't want to make Sylvia's um, memory about all of this stuff. Yeah. But, but Carla, yeah. kind of in what you just said, I feel almost, and I'm not 100% okay with it, but I feel almost okay with going, well, this is about Sylvia then and, and Sylvia's revenge. And, and, and Sylvia, from what I can mm. gather, is not a vengeful person, so wouldn't be vengeful anyway. Mm. And, and I'm looking at a picture yeah. of her as I say this and, and I, I can tell you we're not making eye contact, but, but I, I feel like she's nodding at me. Like she, she is not nasty. She's comfortable she's not with it. Vengeful. No, no, I actually no, think she's not comfortable not. with it. But um, oh, okay. But sometimes people who are not comfortable with stuff need people who are comfortable with stuff to have their back. And so um, I think your punishment is kind of bang on um, and we need to find a way to do it in Sylvia's memory without... Um, making Sylvia the vengeful one because she's clearly not that. Um, and, and so maybe it's, you know, Friends of Sylvia world or or something like that um, because she is innocent and she needs to stay innocent and she doesn't need to be tainted with any of that. But, you know, 100 people turned up to her funeral and I feel like there's, a hundred, if not a hundred thousand more, who would go? We need to actually get justice. So, I want, I want, I want to stick with your punishment for those people. Um, that the two to twenty-one year rule, I want to call out. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know how you can, um, sentence someone to that and then just, I don't know, give them less than that. Le- well, no, leave it open to fate and, and give them less than that. And give them that. less than but, that. But, like, what is going on here? And we discussed this with John Wayne Gacy where, you know, you get a sentence but, uh, you know, whatever, you you do some good stuff yeah. and, and we're all okay with that. So You've learnt macrame, you can get up early. Who cares about your crime? And and from the, from the um, perpetrator's point of view, that's great if they then become a valuable member of society and I don't know if anyone did in this instance but but from the victim's point of view like are you kidding me I'm, I'm super challenged by it and I do struggle to draw the line between Gertrude and everyone else and and I do struggle with the legal system that says two to 21 years because to me it should be you know, two to four, four to six, whatever it is, 15 to 20, but not 20-year flexibility that ends up being less than two. And and that's probably all I can add because I'm, it's been a, tired it's and been a very, very big podcast <laughs> and I Are you am sure tired Four and angry. Are you sure that's yeah. But hang on, oh. we forgot about... Oh no! I could, I could but get. But wait, there's more. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Sorry, I've gone on too long. Let's call it a day right now. And I'm holding Paul's hand oh, way okay. too tight. Okay. 
It's I'm angry. <laughs> so I'm angry. That, that is a case that, is, um, that does justify us to be angry. Carla's sentencing was amazing. Well done, Swanee. Yeah, I feel well done, sad Carla. that. I've just got a little bit of moss growing on people, but I think my moss will be quite nasty <laughs> after some time. And um, I'm not quite sure after oh, all know, that right? what really you were saying there, Clarky, except that you're just unhappy. But uh, I'll take it <laughs> and let's just double down on Carla's sentence because it was exceptional. Can, can we also, though, just throw an appeal out to our <laughs> listeners to say, you know, this has been four hours of us podcasting. They'll probably hear an hour and a half or two hours, they'll be way better God at willing. dealing with this. Yep. <laughs> please please share with <laughs> no, us what you that. think okay. should be a, physical challenge. a better sentence because I'm exhausted. And you've like, cut a lot out of it I've got as nothing well. left. Oh, I know you've cut. I was I having a look in the back. Because because it is so awful. A so seriously, a, there's it's so, so much to it. And... You know, the, the actual crimes themselves and then what's happened afterwards with the different disgusting. sort of sentencing, the different trials. I'm like, it is disgusting. It's just one disappointment, and I use that word knowingly. I know it's After another. After yeah. another. It's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you bit off a massive tragic. case and um, you gave it a good chew yeah, there, Clark. Absolutely. And, um, and very well presented, really Thank good. Thank you. I, I don't know really what else to say. I feel like we're all a bit exhausted after that. Um but we will rally again. Absolutely. It's okay. <laughs> I, I wish I wish there was a way that I could delete this from my memory, but I just can't. And oh, so, okay. you know, I'll, I'll come up I'd with something it, even more disgusting because we're a team. Yeah, fair enough. And we and we and that's right. We share the load. But I'll come up with something more disgusting next time, and then you'll be able to forget this one. Please don't. <laughs> no, this is this is topping it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, oh, this is my grossest ever. Yeah, and on that note, <laughs> miss you already. <laughs> Thanks. Love guys. you long time. Thanks, Good job. Thanks, guys. You're right. lovely. Ciao, Bye. ciao. Good chat. Bye. Bye, everyone. Ciao. Villain music was brought to you by Les FM at pixabay.com, and our hero music was brought to you by Gioli Fazzeri at pixabay.com. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.